0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss the things you lose from narcissistic abuse. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick and today we are going to be discussing the things you lose from narcissistic abuse. But before we get to that, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There, you can read all of our instructions, and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com, or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button, and please do send it in the format that we ask for. So today we are going to be discussing the things you lose from narcissistic abuse and we're going to be going through all these different things that you lose. We're going to explain some of them and we're also going to be having some quotes that we found on the internet about these specific uh, topics that were from survivors as well and that can kind of give you more of a feeling uh, attached to things like sense of self or self-worth that things that you lost. So Let's just jump right into this episode because I think this episode will help you know, validate a lot of people's feelings when it comes to the things that they lost, that they are not alone and it can open your eyes to other things that you may have lost that you really uh, haven't seen yet. So the first thing on my list here of things that you might have lost is yourself or your sense of self-worth as well. When it comes to losing yourself, sense of self-worth, here are some things that people have said. So the first one that we have here is, slowly I was being taken away from who I always knew I was in my past, a strong young woman with firm beliefs. And I went from that person to being someone who said, I know this isn't right, but it's just so much. I don't want to deal with this right now. I can't handle this. I just don't care. But I had lost myself so much that I was just gone. You don't even know that you lose yourself. Making the simplest decisions seems so difficult. I want myself back, but I was just so lost so long ago. And And another person's quote that I found was, I've lost myself. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know how to leave. I truly feel alone in all of this. Like I'm locked all alone in a tiny room with only a window that overlooks a beautiful garden. In this garden, I see everyone I know walking around, talking, drinking, laughing, having a great time. But I'm crying and banging on the window, screaming for someone to notice me, hear me, see me. But no one does. And then I see him in the crowd and he sees me, looks at me for a few seconds, and then he smiles his evil smile and then turns and walks away to mingle some more. You know, that one was with a lot of imagery and you really feel what this person is going through, how they've lost themselves and how isolated they are. Another quote that I found is, what I lost is exactly what my abuser wanted and always strive for, which was for me to lose myself. And I lost my pride and my dignity. It feels like a record album that keeps skipping. It's just stuck in one spot, repeating over and over. I just haven't picked the needle up and set it down just past the scratch in this song of life. I've lost my entire life. I've lost who I am. And in another quote I found, it says, I still feel like I'm locked inside layers of numbness, resentment, rejection, and hurt. I still don't feel like myself, and I don't know how to get out. So you have a lot of feelings of losing oneself, who they are as a person, and you know th- this helplessness that is that is going on and there's a lot of crazy making that has gone into uh, this process of, as well and when it comes to loss of sense of self and self-worth from the brainwashing it can destroy your sense of self-worth in a in a huge way you just no longer feel like you are the person you were when the relationship began and many of you who are listening struggle to recognize who you are in the mirror cuz a lot a lot of people feel like the the reflection staring back at them isn't them anymore and this can create trust issues which we'll get into in second guessing yourself and you just might feel like you are not good enough and that you did something to mm-hmm. cause this abuse in in the first place and this can go into shame and embarrassment and it can really stop you from reaching out for help as we heard in some of those uh, examples those quotes like someone who's like uh, behind a window and watching everyone outside that window you're isolated from everything and we'll get into you know everything that we're going to discuss today is really an offshoot of you know losing yourself and trouble making decisions becomes a really big thing and you know the, the loss of self self-worth as a whole you start questioning that uh obviously again trust issues become uh, a big issue So now let's talk about the loss of trust in others, the trust in oneself, and the trust in falling in love again, or the concept of love again. And the first quote that we have here is, he was my partner for 16 years. He made promises and vows to me. I don't know if I'll ever be able to give my trust to someone like that again. If your husband can betray you so easily, how can I trust anyone? And uh, the next one we have here is, I eventually came to realize that I couldn't make the right decision. After all, he's the smart one. He knows everything. He tells me he knows everything. He tells everyone else he knows everything and that he is the best at everything he does. I believed him. I still believe him in a lot of ways, and it's hard to shake that. So that quote right there is having to do with, like, Listening to the truth teller in your life and the truth teller being the one that you're supposed to be trusting in though their voice is the one that is telling you the truth and and your voice is, you know, kind of secondary and maybe it's not always correct. You're being told so to. you lose the trust in other people, but you're also at the same time losing trust in, in yourself. And another quote that we have is I lost my ability to trust. I have not been in another relationship since the X. I have not dated And I was divorced six and a half years ago. So, there you can see that this lack of trust can take a very long time to come back. And for some people, they lose it for forever, it seems. And then another quote is I thought we had, I thought what we had was special. It was special to me. I thought it was special to him, but not so much. He was with his new supply within a matter of weeks. This has made me feel like my love was cheap and easily replaced, because for him, it was. So for a lot of people in domestic violence or narcissistic abuse, domestic abuse, you know, after the relationship is over, to be replaced so easily and so quickly is hurtful and you feel disrespected in so many ways. And, you know, you thought you knew the person you were with. And in the end, you feel like you didn't know them at all, that they could just move on like that. And you lose faith in love and you lose faith in other people and who they are as people. And then the last quote we have for this one is, they were everything I always wanted, but nothing was real. How can I trust my decisions when they all seem correct? It feels like the only thing I can do is just to avoid. And that goes to, you know, trusting yourself, because there's a lot of people out there when it comes to the loss of trust and the loss of trust in oneself is, you know, a lot of people say, trust your gut. You know, you should have trusted your gut. But in many cases for people, you know, your gut wasn't saying anything. You were with someone who was just conning you the whole entire way. And you believed everything they said because there was no reason not to believe them. And you did everything correctly. You know, you fell in love and then you were just duped. So a lot of people in the aftermath feel that their ticker might be wrong. The way they they judge things is completely wrong. Because at this point, your your ticker for this situation of judgment and, and trusting people is is kind of out the window. It's like a compass that's gone haywire and you don't know what is what anymore. And you lose trust in others. You lose trust in love and in your own decision-making and trust in yourself on how you're kind of going through life. And this cannot just be in relationships, but decisions as a whole, it could affect everything going forward. So this is a big one when it comes to the loss of trust, when it comes to domestic violence and narcissistic abuse. So up next, we have the loss of self-respect, and we have one quote for this, and this one is, my dignity was assaulted and vandalized when I let someone else define me. And that was a really interesting quote. Uh, To me, you know, you are, in a lot of cases, the abuser is figuring out how to get your worth put into their hands, your competency put into their hands, and once it's in their hands, you know, they can really do anything they want with it. They can toy around and play around. And a lot of people have a lot of loss of self respect. There's a the shame that kind of is going on here. They feel shame that this all happened, and they have this loss of respect for themselves. And it's not something that can easily be fixed. And, uh, you know, it is something that's very painful for someone to go through and, and feel when they really start to go down that rabbit hole. It's, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. If this happened to you, uh, the people you're dealing with are, are manipulators and they know how to put get you to put your worth into their hands and they're looking for those things. And a lot of times the first things they're doing in the love bombing stage is, you know buttering up the thing they eventually want to take away. but unfortunately, that shame and, and loss of self-respect is, is something really big and it's uh, hurtful. and you know it takes a long time to uh, go through all of that pain and and heal from it. And up next on our list is the loss of self-esteem and confidence, and also the ability to problem solve. and that's due to the crazy making. And this can be linked to self-worth and self-respect. And a quote that we have for this is, I was told I was unworthy, unstable, and unwanted by the only person in the world whose opinion mattered. I lived my life through their eyes. More and more I gave into their low opinion of me. And this comes back to them being the truth teller in your life and them manipulating you into believing What they are saying and having your worth put into their hands, your competency put into their hands, a lot of different things put into your hands, your self-esteem put into their hands and them being able to push and pull and tug like a puppet master and creates that, you know, unstableness and it creates a loss of self-esteem, a loss of confidence and really makes you go crazy in so many ways because it's part of the whole process of destroying the sense of self. And then another quote that we have for this one from an abuse survivor is, I don't know what's what anymore. I can't even make decisions. I don't know if what I'm doing is right or wrong because I was told I was wrong for so long. I freeze and nothing gets done. And this has a lot to do with everything we just mentioned and the ability to problem solve a lot of time with trauma Yeah, you know, people have uh, traumatic stuff that's going on in their brain. And I've talked to many people and even telling a story becomes difficult. There's a lot of jumping that's going on when it comes to trying to converse and tell a story. And it can really muddle your brain when it comes to just doing basic things in life and even problem solving things become very, very difficult. And when that happens and and your brain's not functioning like it once was because of all the crazy making and the brainwashing and the gaslighting and the eroding of the self esteem and self confidence, you know, that adds to it. If your if your brain's not functioning like that, you kind of think you might be broken from it, which then kind of goes down the rabbit hole of, you know, another big hit on the loss of self esteem and confidence that you know, this person that's telling me all these things might be right, that I'm not a smart person and I'm not able to do this and I'm not able to do that. So it kind of feeds in here in this vicious cycle. And this happens to so many people. If it's happening to you, you are not alone. It's just a very common thing that happens. And my heart goes out to everyone who is dealing with this and this real big vicious cycle. And the next one on our list is the loss of happiness and joy. So we have a couple quotes here from abuse survivors. One is I was never allowed to feel good about myself. I did not measure up. I fell below the minimum standards and I was reminded of it constantly. I never really got my joy back to this day. Nothing is fun. So I do nothing fun. It is a waste of time and effort, you know, and that just, that's sad right there. The abuser has really taken, you know, the joy out of this person's life. They, Beat them down so much that they weren't able to enjoy anything again. And I hope that this person who who wrote this uh, is doing better now and has found some joy in the in the aftermath. During the whole relationship and after the relationship, many survivors feel that they have like a loss of joy in in happiness for a very long time. And then uh, another quote that we have here about this is. I lost that feeling of happiness in just the small things in life that once made me happy. I lost the ability to make others happy as it became just so much of an effort for me to to pretend I was somebody else. It's just really sad that this happens to so many you know survivors. You might get once you're out of the relationship, you might get a bit of relief right away that you're out, but you know this loss of joy and happiness is a a big issue and something that uh, hopefully a lot of people are dealing with in the aftermath and working through as well. And the next one on our list is emotional stability and regulation. And we don't have a quote for this one, but many people who are dealing with the aftermath of abuse, you know, when it comes to emotional stability and regulation, you know, it's common to suffer uh, mood swings, irritability. Uh, you know, you might be finding yourself feeling emotionless in a lot of states. There could be a lot of numbness that might be going on as well. And you might also experience depersonalization where it feels as though everything around you isn't really accurate uh, with everything that's kind of going on. You might be disassociating. um, And there's just a lot of stability that just not there in the aftermath of abuse while you're going through abuse at the same time. You've been kept off balance in the relationship with all these pushes and pulls that your emotions and moods are just like continuously ping-ponging throughout the whole entire relationship. And this can keep going on into the aftermath as well. It's very difficult to work through. Uh, to find your footing once again, because you've just been kept off balance for so long and in so many different situations throughout this abusive relationship. And the next one on our list is the loss of innocence. And we hear this one a lot. So the first quote that we have from an abuse survivor is, the biggest loss I sustained from my abuse was my innocence. I blindly loved a man that intentionally deceived me because I never knew people like that existed. I sacrificed everything to be with him. I was innocent, naive, and vulnerable, and I didn't even know it. I'll never be that innocent again. I can be vulnerable, I can be naive, but I'll never be innocent, and that is sad. And then another quote from a survivor is, My innocence was lost. I believed in the goodness of people and I accepted people for what they presented me with. I never expected to be deceived at such a terrible level. This type of abuse really does feel like an assault on your emotions, your soul, and it just really feels deeply personal. So when it comes to innocence, there are so many people who have kind of gone through life not knowing that these people existed, like someone in one of these quotes already said. So... You have no concept. You might have seen it in a movie or things like that, but you're like, this is a movie. These things don't really exist. These types of people don't really exist, or at least I've never come across one. And when you do come across someone who is like this and you feel it for this first time, and it's not just this cognitive thing and you feel what it is like to have yourself go through this type of abuse and go through someone who is pretending to be someone else and then becomes someone completely different. Your eyes get opened for the first time in a way that you don't want them opened. You know, the world becomes a scarier place after this. You know, there's a loss of trust after this. And, you know, that innocence about that is gone because now you might be hyper vigilant and trying to see all of these things. All of a sudden... You're looking out for things and acting in a different way. Your life has changed uh, from that point forth, and it's sad that you have to go through that process. That you now have to look at people and not trust them first in all things like that. It's it's a really sad uh, occasion when this happens because there's that loss of of innocence in in this thing about you. Um, It's gone and you'll never get it back. And the world is a completely different place after that. And it's just nothing's nothing is the same. And it's a big thing that people deal with. And it's a hard thing for people to, you know, really get over because that loss of innocence is it's it's gone for forever for for most people. And the next one on our list is the loss of security or the loss of optimism, a big doom and gloom or loss of control. And a quote we have for this is, I now fear things can always get worse. I no longer believe that I am secure in the world. I feel that no matter what I do, there will be forces that can take everything away from me and I have no control over this. And this, you know, this one also can hark back onto the loss of innocence, where now you don't feel secure in the world anymore. You might look, be, instead of being an optimist, you would become a pessimist or, or have a Murphy's Law and like what can go wrong will go wrong. Like that positivity is gone, it's lost because you've lost control once before, or, you know, you, not that you lost control, but someone had control over you, taking it away from you. And having no control is, is scary. So you're, as I said before, hypervigilance might take over here. You know, there's just a loss of security and the positivity and that's kind of been stolen from you. So that's where uh, this category comes in, the loss of security, optimism, um, and control. And the next one we have on our list is the loss of your sanity, the crazy making that can occur in an abusive relationship. And the quote we have here is, I felt like I was going crazy after all the gaslighting. And even though I know that I was abused and I know that I did nothing wrong, for some reason, I still have moments where I feel guilty. Like I could have done more, that maybe things were my fault, I know that sounds crazy, but that's how caught I am. Sometimes I just don't know what's what still, especially when a flashback hits me hard, like right in the face and just sticks there with nowhere to go, but just to sit there for me to think about it. And so with this one right here, with this quote, you know, this person is just really struggling in the aftermath after all of uh, the gaslighting of just not knowing what is what. And this kind of goes with the loss of control and with the security and innocence. When the crazy making happens, like you don't know what is what anymore. And, you know, it's very hard to discern. um, Like, I guess trust is also in here because the crazy making the loss, the sanity, you're not thinking straight. You know, you just don't know what to trust anymore. You know, all kind of comes full circle here. And gaslighting is a big thing when it comes to sanity. You think you are the one that is going crazy. And in this quote, even in the aftermath here, you know, they're still thinking about the relationship and still think that they might have been the one who's done something wrong, even though it's over. And it's just very difficult to get over because the abuser has done a really good job of making you think that you are the crazy one, that it just kind of continues to carry over into the aftermath of abuse. And, you know, either might not even be post separation abuse at all, but these flashbacks and, you know, they just did a really good job of manipulating you and have you think that you've gone crazy. And up next on our list is the loss of boundaries. And the quote that we have here is, I felt selfish for having my own needs. What I hadn't realized is that setting boundaries is in no way selfish. And instead coming from a place of self-love, respect, and worth. I always feared that setting boundaries would lead me to being abandoned and rejected, and not realizing that people who respect our boundaries are the ones who you should keep in our lives, and those that don't should be the ones that are removed. So, boundaries is something that people might come into the relationship without, but for the ones that do have boundaries in the relationship, and the abuser does just a very good job of of wearing you down and 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 really doing a number on getting rid of your boundaries they're just very good at manipulating you sometimes they do the smashing forward you know until they can wear you down but sometimes they can really finesse you into getting rid of your boundaries, sometimes those boundaries don't, you don't even know that they're going over your boundaries. They're, they're doing things out of fake concern, like they fake concern of how you're doing. You know, sometimes they're pretending to say that they love you and that's why they're worried about your whereabouts. You know, they're crossing these boundaries in ways that you don't know sometimes. And so there's these boundaries you don't know that they're actually crossing and using, you know, concern and love. And then on other occasions, they make it seem Like you're the ones that are crossing their boundaries because they'll do a silent treatment or they'll withhold from you. So you jump over a boundary line yourself and boundaries really get mixed up. And then in the aftermath, your boundaries were completely gone. You have to figure out how to rebuild everything from scratch again. So when it comes to abuse and domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, you know, the loss of boundaries is a big thing that can happen during the relationship. And it's a pretty difficult thing to, you know, start to establish in the aftermath because you feel selfish, just like that quote said, and it feels wrong to do so. And it's just, it's just a really hard thing to uh, get back. Saying no becomes difficult again when you're trying to put your foot down and establish yourself because you might feel guilt or feel that you're selfish. So that is another big one, which is the loss of boundaries. When it comes to abuse. And the next ones on our list are the loss of family and friends and children. And this can be twofold. One can be done out of isolation, where you're isolated from them. And in other ways, it can be a a smear campaign. So here are some quotes that we have uh, from survivors of abuse. I guess I have a stubborn and unforgiving nature now. I walked away when they believed the gossip and him. Friends worse than family. So that one is just about how a smear campaign can work and how the people in your life, your friends and family, and and sometimes children, a part of parental alienation can happen as well, that they really start to believe the lies that are told. Uh, Another quote we have here is, I lost the love and respect I once had from my incredible children as they still wonder, where did my mother go? I want my mom back. I lost most of my friends and family members because isolation was easier than to look at them straight in their eyes and tell them, okay, everything is great, while I was still being abused. So right here, this goes to like shame and feeling a lot of shame for what you were going through. And because of that shame, you know, isolation might have occurred. There's a loss of sense of self. You might not be standing up for yourself. You might not just be the same person anymore. And it affects your relationships with your friends, your family, and your children. People are wondering what happened to you. And the shame kind of puts this wedge in between everyone Because you don't want to tell everyone what is is going on because there's just so much shame around uh, abuse. And for the people that are dealing with this, it's very difficult, uh, this aspect of things. And you're not alone and you've done nothing wrong for anyone who's feeling like this right now. And then when it comes specifically to children, we have a quote here, which is, he took our daughter from school when she was 10 and attempted to take our son, but he wouldn't go with him. Our daughter was happy to stay as he had more money than me and he was able to buy her whatever she wanted. He also did a very good job of turning her against me. He tried to get custody of both kids through the courts but withdrew his application when he realized social services weren't going to back him for custody. I couldn't afford to launch my own case at the time and my daughter would have said that she didn't want to stay with me anyway. But more recently I have developed a close relationship with my daughter and we do have regular contact but I still don't believe that she will ever come back to live with me. And once again, this goes back to parental alienation and, you know, the loss of children. And um, that's a huge loss for for a parent to go through. And my heart goes out to everyone who's dealing with this as well. And up next, we have the loss of health and the loss of sleep. And, you know, a lot of people who are going through abuse, they have A lot of sleepless nights, there could be sleep deprivation going on as well during that time. And then the aftermath, they might have nightmares and things like that, insomnia. They could have ruminating thoughts about the abuser, and there's a loss of sleep that goes on there. And then when it comes to health uh, in general, we hear so many stories when it comes to uh, hair falling out, people getting specific types of... Uh, diseases can, can happen. Just a lot of different things can happen when you are being worn down by an abuser and your health can go really downhill. You're just constantly under the state of attack. You know, also the things that can happen, depression can really set in, uh, when it comes to this type of abuse, you know, cause you're feeling, uh, unworthy, you're feeling worthless. For months or even years after being told maybe how useless you might be or stupid that you you might be or, you know, you're being manipulated. And there's PTSD that might happen with fight or flight responses, you know, freezing responses. You have this chronic hypervigilance going on and all of this stuff can really affect your health. And there's just so many different health problems that can happen uh, when it comes to being abused. And in the aftermath, how long it takes to recover from that. But your body hopefully does recover in the aftermath, but it takes a while. So, you know, that is the loss of health and sleep. And up next, we have the loss of possessions, home, finances, jobs. You know, one person wrote, I lost everything I own materially. I had to leave my home, leaving everything I own behind, including my clothes. Uh, Another quote is he wiped 40 years of my life while I lived at this place. He made copies of my house keys and siphoned all of my possessions, jewelry, some of which were heirlooms, antiques collected over the years of travel, furnishings, ornaments, crystal, silver, clothes, books, my holiday movies, photos of my travels, thousands upon thousands of dollars worth. He'd gone shopping at my house. And another quote that we have here is, I have to rebuild from scratch. He maxed out everything in my name. Now I need a lawyer to get half the house back. So uh, this is where you just have a loss of possessions, home, finances. Either during the relationship you might be with someone who is just really terrible with money, someone who's constantly overspending, spending your money, maxing out your credit cards, just terrible with money as a whole. And then you have also the people in the aftermath who, you know, don't want you to have anything. They just want to win at all costs. So they're trying to take your home from you, take your finances from you, you know, your possessions. You know, you could be financially abused in so many different ways. Never allowed to have money in the first place, and you know, you have the loss of those finances, loss of your financial freedom, and even attacking your job, trying to have you lose your job. You're getting in the way of that job, and that comes to. Even if you have kids and you're the primary caregiver and they're supposed to take the kid from you and you have to go to work and then they don't do that and they do it on purpose and that affects you losing a, a job and we hear it so many times and, you know, you know, loss of possessions, home and finances and job are a big part of abuse. And up next we have the loss of reputation and for this, you know, someone could be sabotaging to your doctor. Law enforcement agent, uh, a counselor for a very long time to people at school, teachers, anyone in that administration, uh, coaches, things like that, to families, for to, to friends. Uh, one quote we have here is he badmouthed me to anyone who would listen. I only found out after I left him, and he was visiting some mutual friends, and they told me the things that he said about me. He told them that I was the worst on the planet. You know, right here. You know, when it comes to the loss of reputation, you're getting someone who's setting out these smear campaigns against you and they're doing uh, anything that they can. And in many instances, it's impossible to get this reputation back. They did the job that they wanted to do. And you just kind of have to deal with the fact that that has happened and loss of reputation is a a big thing. And, you know, if you're going to be going to court, they really want you to have a, a terrible reputation um, and they'll do anything to smear you to to get that. So loss of reputation is a big thing when it comes to uh, domestic violence, narcissistic abuse. And the next one we have on our list is the loss of hobbies and interests. So a quote that we have here is, In the relationship, I lost my sense of self and my self-worth. The abuser tore away at me as if he was systematically trying to break me. There was nothing I could do from the simplest things in life, turning the thermostat on for air for heat, talking to my family on the phone, shutting a car door. They would just all lead to an excuse for an argument with him tearing away at me. I planted flowers and shrubs, and the plants were mowed down, or the weed eater was used to shred the plants. At first, I thought this might have been an accident, until it just happened repeatedly. I quit and I gave up planting. All of this planting gave me joy and now it was removed. So here is where, you know, you're kind of, in this case specifically, they were just kind of uh, undermining them and destroying the hobby that they, they liked most. But in other cases, you might have them nitpick at the things that you like doing, nitpick at your hobbies, nitpick at your interests, put down those things and continuously do so. And by doing so, they make it just unenjoyable. They take the joy of that thing away from you. And they really put this um, mark on it that you don't want to do it anymore. They've tainted it in in every single way. And you lose, you know, your hobbies, you lose your interests, and you lose the joy of doing them poisoned. And it's hard to kind of get back into them uh, at all because of, your thought process on it now and where it takes you back to. So that is the loss of hobbies and interests. And then the last one that we have on our list for this, before we get into therapy kind of stuff, is the loss of feelings. And someone wrote, I lost the ability to feel because if I went into thinking deeply about everything that happened, how this affected my family, how this affected my children, shame would come up. There'd be a lot of emotional hurt that would come up. And the best thing for me to do was to not feel anything, was to not think at all. And everything became numb. So when it comes to the loss of feelings in, let's say, numbness here, you know, someone starts to avoid their feelings as a whole. Their feelings become scary They don't want to delve into what happened. There's a lot of trauma going on. And the best thing to do is kind of dissociate in in a lot of ways and avoid everything that has happened. And so many people do this to avoid those feelings. If it's guilt or if it's shame, you know, it's just hurt and it's pain. And, you know, it goes on during the relationship and after the relationship and people not wanting to. Uh, or people just uh, trying to avoid those feelings as a whole. Some of us are head thinkers, some of us are feelers. So head thinkers have trouble uh, feeling anyway. But when it comes to like the loss of feelings and avoiding those feelings, uh, it's, a, it's a really big thing, and that is part of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse. So now that we've talked about all these things that we've lost, when it comes to abuse, when it comes to domestic violence, you know, a lot of people end up going to therapy. And when we're talking about loss, we're talking about grief. So it's I think it's important that when you do go see a therapist, that it's someone who knows uh, about grief. And also for some people out there, when you go to therapy, uh, depending on your circumstances and your cultural circumstances, You know, it's uh, having some therapist that is with you who understands the culture you're coming from, whether it be uh, race, whether it be religion, whether it be social economic status. It's important to have an understanding from your therapist uh, from that point of view as well, that they can meet you where you're at and they can understand exactly what you're going through. So they don't gaslight you like society might might have gaslit you uh, during the process as well, because you might be gaslit by... The abuser in your life, who could be a family member, who could be a a friend, who could be your partner, but you can also be gaslit by society, uh, specifically when trying to get out of these processes uh, or trying to get out of these relationships as well. So when it comes to a therapist, when it comes to this type of loss and, and in the aftermath, hopefully you can find the therapist that understands the dynamics of abuse and of abusive relationships and doesn't engage in blaming you or pathologizing you when it comes to This type of abuse, you want someone who is a trauma or trauma informed uh, when they come to their practices and a type of therapy could be somatic therapies and those somatic therapies help unlock trauma stuck in your body and for your body to also be your guide. Um, There's emotions focused therapy and with emotions focused therapy, it's done to gain awareness of your emotions as these relationships could have had you like all over the place you know, not allowing you to have your emotions or you not trusting your emotions. And with emotions-focused therapy, it helps you open up so you are welcoming these emotions because a lot of people, as we stated before, we're not allowed to have uh, specific emotions or they've shut themselves down because it's, it's too scary And they allow your emotions to flow freely without restrictions. They help regulate your emotions so they don't overwhelm you. And it's a process where you can really start describing how you're feeling in detail and understanding the whys behind your emotions. And I think this is very important, this type of therapy, for a lot of people. And it's something that we do on the show which is we love it when people start describing their feelings. Because when you describe your feelings, you're able to give language to someone. And that language really helps you start processing what you're going for and giving words to, you know, the things that are going on in your body. And it's just very helpful. And this can help you communicate to other people how you're actually feeling and it really opens up a whole new world it creates movement either if you're in the relationship or out of the relationship to really just start moving forward and, and moving through things and it's really helpful to uh get to that point to understand and you know say your emotions and, and welcome them and and not be afraid of them so emotions focused therapy is a a big one An other type of therapy is cognitive processing trauma therapy And this is, you know, challenging your beliefs. So it has part of the the CBT in it, but it's about challenging the beliefs that the abuser might have had made you believe about yourself, about life, about relationships. They might have told you that you are dumb and now you believe that you are dumb. You know, a cognitive processing trauma therapy, this can really help challenge the beliefs that the abuser might have implanted inside of you. Also, there is prolonged exposure therapy and prolonged exposure therapy. And with this type of therapy, this shows you how to kind of gradually approach memories, situations, and emotions that are related to past traumas. So that avoidance is, re- is like reduced and you're able to kind of go through those memories with a little bit more freedom restored to it. And it's just done at a gradual uh, approach. And then there's EMDR. And with EMDR, it encourages you to like briefly focus on difficult memories while uh, bilateral stimulation takes place, which that's the eye movement. And this can decrease the vividness and intensity of emotions connected to those memories, which I guess helps you go and move through them in an easier way, in a less threatening way. So things just aren't as scary as they were before. And... Then the last one on our list of the modalities is a brief eclectic therapy, which is a combination of a bunch of different things. So it's a specific approach of helping clients deal with uh, and overcome a traumatic event. And it combines elements of CBT, psychodynamic therapies, you know, a focus on interpreting and processing emotions and thoughts, and a focus of brief eclectic therapy is on the emotions of guilt and shame that often occur in the aftermath of a traumatic experience. So that's another therapy that you might find useful when it comes to, you know, dealing with trauma and dealing with a loss uh, and, and shame in, in the aftermath of all of these different types of, of losses of going through an abusive relationship. So that is it for our episode today. I hope Uh, that you found it useful. I hope you found it validating for the experiences that you are going through. And I hope that everything that was mentioned today just helped in any sort of way uh, with what you're going through, either if you're in the relationship still or outside of the relationship. And if it helped you send me an email and telling me that you enjoyed this episode and helpful, and if there's other episodes like this where we can kind of validate your feelings. We might do episodes on on, uh, specific feelings in the future. Uh, If anything like that interests you, please let us know, and we will try and make an episode about it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode, and if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at gmail.com or fill out our guest form and press the submit button. And please do send it in the format that we asked for. Also at our website, we have our very own safe social network, our own support group. So if you want to join our support group, go to narcissistapocalypse.com top of the page, there's a button that says support group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our support group page, and there you will see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We also have forum boards for you to post on to get the validation that you need from survivors just like you. And it is a wonderful group of people on there, and you can share your experiences and make friends as well. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. At DomesticShelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you're dealing with. They have every phone number, email address, and web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you are in. DomesticShelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free resource and a wonderful organization. So if you need extra support, please do go to DomesticShelters.org. And we here at Narcissist Apocalypse have a new friend to the show, and they are an organization called Shelter Movers, and they can be reached at sheltermovers.com. And Shelter Movers helps survivors of domestic violence transition to a better and safer life, and it is a volunteer organization, a donor-supported organization, charitable organization as well. And what they do is they help coordinate moves for people who are getting out of domestic violence. It's an interesting part of the domestic violence escape process and they help you get to safety and they also help get your things out of your home and into storage, all of your belongings into storage. And they can do this for your pets as well, your livestock too. It's a wonderful organization. It is in Canada and they're hoping to move into the United States. So if you need help from them or just want to donate to them, please go to sheltermovers.com. And that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and learned from it. And I hope You have a good night.